My name is Anne Ryanbold. I have been coming to First Christian Church for about 13 years. I pretty much for the most part passively came to church. We came once in a while, it wasn't on a regular basis, and I heard about Young Decatur and I started going to that and I finally had a chance to take this big, big church and make it a little bit smaller, uh, get to know people that my age and connect with them. And that gave me the confidence to try something else, get more involved and serve in other places in the church. So I started with the choir and I went a couple times um, in the evenings, but as a first grade teacher, I was very tired in the evenings after being with kids all day. So I um, kind of fell out of that routine and, and didn't really uh, continue going to the choir, even though I loved it. I loved being there, but it just didn't work out for my schedule. So then a couple months um, uh, went by and I, I think it was actually at the beginning of the fall and I saw that other people were serving, these things are open, and I thought, hey, let's try hospitality. Um, if anybody knows me, I love to talk to people and just get to know them and who they are. And um, so I thought, okay, an opportunity to stand at the door, say hi to people and have a conversation with them. Okay, I can do that. And Hannah um, is a part or the leader of hospitality and I just have absolutely loved working with her and she's made it so easy and fun and very flexible with my schedule and what works for me. And it's once a month and very reasonable with just the daily life that I live. Well, good morning, it's great to be with you here this morning in the West Auditorium, as well as everybody worshiping with us in the East Auditorium, and everybody worshiping with us online. And I wanna invite you this morning to turn in your Bible or your Bible app to Matthew chapter four. Uh, Matthew's about two thirds of the way through the Bible, and it's the first of four ancient biographies about the life of Jesus. And so Matthew chapter four, we'll get to that in just a minute. But before we do that, I wanna start us off today uh, with a question, and that question is this. Have you ever accomplished something that you didn't think that you were capable of accomplishing? Have you ever accomplished something that you didn't think that you were capable of accomplishing? And so maybe it's something physical, like running a 5K or a marathon, obviously something I know a lot about. Um, why are you laughing? Just kidding. Uh, maybe it's something financial, like, hey, you know, I saved up for a long time for this thing I really wanted, I didn't know if I could do that. Or maybe, you know, something really ambitious, like we're just gonna totally get out of debt, including our home. Uh, maybe it's something academic, like a test you didn't think you could pass, or completing a degree, graduating from high school. Or maybe, let's just be honest, it, it was getting here to church today, like you didn't think you could do it, but you did. If you did, great job. Um, we're so glad to have you here. Uh, for me, the first time I remember experiencing this, this was at Boy Scout camp, um, just kind of going into my seventh grade year. And I don't have a picture from Boy Scout camp, but I do have a picture of myself uh, from that time frame. And so in case you've ever wondered, has he always been that big of a dork? Question answered, all right? Um, but what I remember about Boy, camp that, Boy Scout camp that year is that I was uh, pursuing a merit badge in canoeing. And so I went every morning and I learned the different strokes of canoeing, I learned kneeling and standing positions, I even learned how to change places in the canoe uh, without falling in the water. And all that went great. Uh, but then later in the week, 
um, the, our instructor, he told us, he said, you know, later in the week, you're gonna have to paddle the canoe out to the middle of the pond by yourself. That sounded tough. And then he said, you're gonna have to jump in the water, <clears throat> which gravity helps with that part. And then he said, you're gonna have to pull yourself back into the canoe. And as a super athletic, I mean, uh, not athletic and kind of a bigger kid, I thought, how in the world is that gonna happen? Like, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. But with a bunch of grunting and sweating, honestly, some tears, and possibly some supernatural intervention, I got back into the canoe. And <clears throat> I don't know if you've uh, seen that movie Castaway with Tom Hanks, and there's that scene where he creates fire on the beach, and he's like, I have created fire! Well, when I got back in that canoe, covered in pond, uh, pond water and sweat, I felt like, I have got back in the canoe! <laughs> you know? And, and I didn't make a YouTube video. Um, there's like no instructional video from Jonathan on how to get back in a canoe. It wasn't pretty. But I do know that when we experience those moments in our lives where we feel like, you know, I've accomplished something I didn't think I could, it, it increases our confidence. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. And so today we are in week two of a series called Fuel, the five factors that fill your faith. Good luck saying that one five times fast, right? Um, but here's the thing. This series is all about what it means to fuel to fill and to strengthen our faith in Jesus. And it's important to note, this is not a formula that we came up with. What it is, is as we looked at the stories of people who seem to have a re rich and a deep faith, these five things just kind of show up in their lives over and over again. And so with that in mind, maybe you've had this, this time in your life where you've talked to somebody and you've been listening to them talk about their faith and you've just thought, man, how do I get a faith like that? Well, that's kind of our hope for this series, is to give you some some goals, some, some ideas of how you might pursue that kind of faith. And so last week, uh, Pastor Brian, he talked about this idea that our faith is really a muscle. It's something that, that when we work it, when we do what God has called us to do, it grows and develops. And when we don't do that, often our faith atrophies. And so last week, Pastor Brian, he talked about the first of these five factors, and that was practical teaching. Practical teaching is this idea that, that really we, we have to be, in God's word, we have to be under teaching that encourages us to do three things. And he put this awesome graphic up, and so I wanna show that to you again. And the three things are this. It's first of all, we have to know what God word, God's word says, right? And then as a result of that, we have to believe the truth that's in it. But then ultimately, if we just stop there, it really doesn't, it doesn't mean that much. And so we have, to, we have to put it into action. We have to do it, and that's what really transforms our faith. And so with that in mind today, we're gonna talk about the second factor and that factor is personal ministry. And so what is personal ministry? Well, very simply, personal ministry is taking ministry personally. And for today, I wanna to define it this way. Today, I wanna to say that personal ministry is stepping off the sidelines, it's stepping into a partnership with God as he works through us in the lives of others. It's stepping off the sidelines, stepping into a partnership with God as he works, in, works through us in the lives of others. And I've noticed that, that when we do this, it often changes other people's faith, but it also changes our faith. In fact, as I talk with people here at FCC, as I talk with people uh, throughout my life about the things that have really helped their faith grow, often they mention stepping off the sidelines and stepping into personal ministry. They say things like, you know, it was that time that I, I realized my neighbor or my friend needed something, and I wanted to be the hands and feet of Jesus to go and meet that need. Or it was the time that I realized I needed to partner with this local ministry because I wanted to make a difference. Or it was when I realized, you know, I, I remember what it was like to be a middle school student 
And so I'm gonna step into helping middle school students in some way, shape, or form. Or maybe it was going on a mission trip for the first time or sharing your faith with somebody for the first time. See, when I talk about people, when I talk with people about this, I notice that they say, I did something and then God showed up in a big way. And that's why when people go on mission trips, they say, hey, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna show God's love to these people, I'm gonna care for them. And then they come back and they say, yes, we did all that and it was awesome, but God also worked powerfully in my life. And so just a moment ago, I talked about this idea that when we accomplish something we don't think we're capable of accomplishing, it really, it kind of boosts our confidence in things. And the same thing is true when it comes to our faith, maybe even in a bigger way. And here's why that matters, because almost nobody steps into personal ministry feeling like they're ready for it. Uh, over the last seven years, as a part of a staff here, I've had the opportunity to help a lot of people step into personal ministry. And I've noticed that as I do that, they, they all kind of say the same thing. They say, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm ready. I'm not sure that my faith is far enough along. I'm not sure that I, I know God's word well enough. I'm not sure, you know, what if these people don't relate to me? Like, what if, what if this is just not the right thing for me? And amazingly, those same people uh, just a few months or years later, we'll say things like, you can't believe what God's done in and through the opportunity that I've had to serve. And not because they're awesome, but because God is good and God is faithful. And I think this is so important because when we say yes to God, we say yes to growth. When we say yes, God, I'm gonna do what you asked me to do, we say yes to growth in our lives. And so that brings us to Matthew chapter four. And so as we look at Matthew chapter four today, we see that that Jesus has begun his earthly ministry, he has, he's begun teaching around the countryside, and he's beginning to have people um, kind of follow him and listen to his teaching, and so as we step into to chapter four, we're gonna look at verse 18, and this is what Jesus does. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen, and these words are really important, we're gonna come back to this in a minute, it says, come Follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets, and Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. And I remember the, the first few times I read, read this passage thinking like, man, like, that just doesn't make any sense. Like, why would they leave what they were doing? Why would they leave their career? Why would they leave their family to go follow Jesus? <clears throat> but when we look at the context of what was going on at that time, it makes complete sense because it was the dream of every Jewish young man to follow a rabbi. And a rabbi is a Jewish scholar, a teacher, who would invite people, invite these young men to come follow him, and they would do life with him, and they would follow him, and they would do every aspect of life with him, and they would begin to pattern their lives after his. And most often when a rabbi would invite Jewish young men to do this, they would invite the best and the brightest. And so we could safely assume that because uh, these young men were fishing, that they were fishermen, that they were probably not the best and the brightest. They had not been invited by a rabbi. So when Jesus, who was recognized as a rabbi, he came to them and he said those words that rabbis would use. He said, come follow me. They jumped at the opportunity and they did exactly what Jesus said. And they, and they, they took on his way of life, they did life with him, he was their rabbi and, and they were his disciples. They left everything behind and they took on Jesus' way of life. 
And so as we look at the Gospels, we see that, that Jesus went on, he began preaching, he began healing people, he recruited eight other men as his disciples, he was their rabbi, he had 12 disciples, and they did life with him, but Jesus also knew that his time with them was short, that, that it was gonna be short-lived, and so he had a lot to teach them, he had a lot to prepare them for in the meantime. And so as we look at the, the Gospels, the ancient biographies of Jesus' life, we see that Jesus put his disciples into situations they were not prepared for. In fact, sometimes it's almost comical how not prepared they were. And there were times they just simply could not do what Jesus asked them to do. And so with that in mind, I wanna invite us to flip over a few pages to Matthew chapter 14 or, or swipe over a few chapters in your, in your app there. And I wanna look at one of these times that Jesus asked his disciples to do something that they were not ready for. As we get to Matthew chapter 14, uh, we see that Jesus and his disciples, they're surrounded by, it says 5,000 men, and we can assume they're families. And so it's 5,000 plus people. Maybe we're talking 8,000 people, 10,000 people. We don't know. But enough people to, smil- to fill a small arena. And it's getting late in the day, and people are, are getting hungry. And you can imagine kind of the moment where the disciples are like, look, some of these people are about to get hangry, and we need to do something. And so we're gonna, they, they go to Jesus, and they say, hey, we need, we need to take care of these people. And so we find this in Matthew 14, verse 15. It says, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to villages and buy themselves some food. And it's a really reasonable request, right? And so Jesus is like, hey, that makes total sense. Like, you know, that, that's absolutely right, guys. Hey, hey, crowd, thanks so much for coming today. It's been great to be with you, but you know what, it's getting late. Go ahead, let's go and make sure everybody gets fed, right? No, not at all. That's not at all what Jesus said. And so in Matthew 14, verse 16, we see this. He says, Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And if I'm the disciples at that point, I'm thinking, is there like more instruction? Like, did you wanna say how we're gonna do that or anything like that. I mean, I could call Little Caesars and we can get like a thousand hot and ready's here maybe in a couple hours, but it's gonna be a while. Um, But we have to remember, this is not the first time that Jesus has asked his disciples to do something that didn't make sense, something that they didn't understand. And so what do they do? They start looking for food and they find five loaves and two fish. Matthew 14, 17, we read, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered. Not exactly a feast for 5,000 families, right? But I love what Jesus says next. He says, bring them here to me. Bring them here to me. This is how problems get solved. Jesus says, bring them here to me. And as followers of Jesus, we don't all have the same resources, but we each have something. We don't all have the same everything, we know that, but we each have something. Jesus invites every single person to bring him what they have, to to give him what we each have. And when we do that, we do that because he knows that when we do that, when we participate in that, it grows and it develops our understanding of faith. And when we do that, he does something awesome with it. In verse 19, we read that he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. Jesus took five loaves of fish and two, two, uh, five loaves of bread, not five loaves of fish, that doesn't make any sense. It's two fish 
and he looks up to heaven and he says, Father, I know you and I are connected, but I want these people to know that this is from you. And now what? Like, what are the disciples gonna do, right? Jesus hands them this stuff and says, hey, hand it to these people. And they don't come to Jesus and say, you know, I have an idea, like, would you, do you think we could do this? They just do what Jesus says. They walk into a crowd of 5,000 families with just a little bit of food, trusting that Jesus isn't gonna make them look like a fool. They put their faith into action and combined with God's faithfulness, something amazing happens. Verse 20 says, and they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. I'm sorry, what? They, they took five loaves and two fish and they fed 5,000 families. Um, how do I get signed up for that grocery plan, right? Like we have, <laughs> right? I see some heads bobbing, like people are excited about that. Um, but not just fed, this is crazy. They didn't just get a snack. It says they were satisfied. And then they had 12 basketfuls left. They had more food left over than they started with. And why? Because they stepped out and they stepped into what Jesus asked to do and they trusted God and something amazing happened. And this is personal for me because uh, 22 years ago, I stepped into personal ministry for the first time in my life, really feeling totally unprepared. Uh, My church at that time, uh, it was fall of 2000, they were recruiting uh, volunteers to work with middle school boys. And I'll be honest with you, to any middle schoolers in the room, do not take this personally, I did not wanna do it. I was terrified of middle school students at that time in my life. Um, And all those things I talked about before, I felt them like, you know, God, I'm not ready. I, I, I don't think I know the Bible well enough. I don't think my faith is developed enough. Like, I'm not very cool. Like, what if these kids do not like me? And some of those things were legitimate concerns. Truthfully, if I'm honest, at that point, I probably didn't know the Bible well enough to really be helping these guys out. Also, um, middle school students, if you're with me, just let's be honest with each other. You guys ask some crazy questions about faith. And I've, I've come to love that. I absolutely love that. Um, but there was a time when I really didn't know the answer to a lot of those questions. Some of them I still don't know the answer to. But what I do know is this. Virtually nothing causes us to depend on God more than pushing through our inadequacies to help other people. Virtually nothing causes us to depend on God more than pushing through our inadequacies to help other people. You see, when we, when we do that, God's power and faithfulness shows up in our lives, and God takes our loaves and our fish and he turns them into something amazing. And I know I've shared this before. Um, I've got a picture. I got to walk with this group of guys from sixth grade uh, through 12th grade, and this is a picture of them as they were seniors. And you know what? I got to meet with them weekly to, to talk about the Bible with them, to talk about um, their faith with them, to talk about what that meant in their lives, to pray with them, to walk through the circumstances of their lives with them. Uh, and I watched God work in their lives, but I also watched God work in my life. I studied the Bible in a different way because I knew I was gonna have to show up every week and, and help these guys understand what God's word was saying. As I stepped into leadership and took responsibility for other people, I had to, to go into a much deeper reliance on God. I watched him take my inadequacies and use them for good in the lives of others. And my faith was transformed because as I did that, God showed up in amazing ways. And so we talked about the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. If we fast forward 
the tape, we, we find Jesus at the end of his earthly ministry, and again, he's on a hillside with his closest followers. And as he's on this hillside, he's, he's kind of passing his ministry off to them. He's saying, guys, I, I've done what I'm going to do. I've taught you what I'm going to teach you. Remember the loaves, remember the fish, remember the lessons, and now just as you have been my disciples and you've walked this life with me, now go and make disciples of all nations. And if I was the disciples again, I would have had some questions like, you know, I've never really left this like 40 mile region that we live in, so how in the world am I gonna go and make disciples of all nations? Or what about this? You know, some people are really not gonna like what we have to say. We may be fugitives and we may be outlaws. Like, what about that? But that's not what they did. You see, they, they went and they did what Jesus asked along with the Holy Spirit. They went and they trusted God that he was going to be faithful to do what only he can do. And if we fast forward history again, 2,000 years to today, you and I are here having a chance to worship in this space, having a chance to live life the way that God has called us to because those men went and did what Jesus asked them to do. And so every one of us at some point in our lives, we find ourselves, honestly, a bunch of times at this situation. Are, are we gonna do what God's asked us to do? Or are we gonna say no? Are we gonna hesitate? Are we gonna come up with all the reasons why we're not the right person? Or will we step in and will we say yes to God and partner with him? Because when we do that, we get the opportunity to experience God in a way that we are not going to experience from the sidelines. And so, um, a couple weeks ago, I had an opportunity uh, that I thought was really cool. Maybe you won't, it's okay. Uh, but my oldest two kids are in marching band, and they, they were in marching band last year, and uh, they, they love it, and I've, I've really grown to love it, the way the music and the movement all works together. Those of you who are band nerds are like really excited right now. The rest of you are like, okay, dude. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, um, so a couple weeks ago, my kids had band camp, so they were at school from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. for the week, uh, learning their routine for this fall. And on Friday evening, uh, family members, they get to come and see what the kids have learned that week. And so uh, they show you a bunch of different things. They show you one piece of music three different times. And then the fourth time, the last thing they do is they invite family members to come down on the field and try to keep up with your kid as they're marching along. And so, um, I got the opportunity to march with my daughter, Ellie. I have a picture, unfortunately, it's not very good because the sunshine ruined it. Um, but uh, here we are on the field. And uh, you know what? Watching marching band from the stands is cool. Um, you can tell that it takes a lot of work. You can tell uh, that somebody's put a lot of effort into it. But when you're on the field, totally different situation. You can feel the turf underneath your feet. You can feel the sun on your neck and you realize really how far out, how far spread out everyone is and like they're all doing something different, they're all playing something different, but it all comes together to make this really beautiful, amazing thing. And full disclosure, uh, I did not fall down but I did trip over myself a few times. It was not the smoothest thing that I've ever done but I was not alone in that and I won't point fingers but there are other people in this church who I saw also <laughs> tripping. Um, <clears throat> but here's the thing. Um, again, watching from the stands, it's a cool thing. Being on the field, being a part of it, is a totally other thing. And I don't think the band teacher is gonna call me anytime soon and be like, hey, Mr. Grundon, would you come march with us? Um, but here's what I do know. Um, being, being a part of it gave me a much deeper respect 
for what marching band is and, and what it takes. And the same thing is true when it comes to our faith. You see, when we step into personal ministry, it impacts the strength and endurance of our faith because it positions us to experience God's power in our weakness. Let me say that again. When we step into personal ministry, it impacts the strength and endurance of our faith because it positions us to experience God's power in our weakness. And as we do that, we get to impact the, the faith of others as well. And so what does this look like? Well, I, I really think it comes down to three things. We've talked a lot about it, but just three things in summary. The first is, we have to be willing to step out to say, you know what, yes, I'm gonna do that before you, fulfill, before you feel fully ready because we're never gonna feel fully ready for these things. The second thing we have to do is we have to step in, and I know it's starting to sound like dance moves, it's not, I promise, okay? Um, <clears throat> we have to step in, we have to be willing to make it personal, to, to, make, to partner with God in, in the lives of other people. And there are a variety of ways we can do that. We, can, we have opportunities here in the life of our church to do that, in our community. There are mission trips, or honestly, maybe what God is saying to you today is, hey, I just need you to share your faith with that person. But when we do that, when we bring him our loaves and our fish, he does something incredible with it. And when we step out, when we step in and trust God, he uses that in a powerful way in our lives. It changes us, it changes our faith, and it changes our confidence in God. And a minute ago, I, I mentioned that when we do this, when we step out, when we step in, um, the third thing is obviously we have to trust God. We have to believe that he's going to do what he said that he would do. That he's gonna, he's gonna make the difference. That he's gonna, we, we, we don't have to give him ideas. We just have to do what he's called us to do and the trust that he's gonna provide that. As we do that, um, we're mindful of the fact that we get to impact other people's lives. And my suspicion is that if you're here today, if you're in church today, if you're following Jesus today, if you're taking steps in your faith um, that you never thought you would take, um, that's because somebody else stepped out. Somebody else invited you, taught you, encouraged you, and as a result of that, you're, you're here today. And I'm, I'm guessing that person probably didn't feel prepared either. And I think about who those people are in my life. My parents, obviously, my, my youth pastor, various volunteers in the church that I grew up in, one who was just sitting right there last night who made a tremendous impact on me. And so as we close today, I wanna remind us of what Pastor Brian said last week. He said, you know, we need to know God's word. Obviously, we need to do that. We need to believe truth in God's word, but we actually need to do what it says. And so I wanna ask all of us today, myself included, how are you going to step into personal ministry? How are you going to make ministry personal this week? How are you gonna step out, step in, and trust God? And here's why this matters. Because just like me, somewhere in this world, there, there's someone who, whose life whose child, whose grandchild, whose marriage, whose faith will be different when you step out, step in, and trust God. And so as a church, we would really love to help you do that. Um, we would love to help you figure out what that means. And, and just to be clear, because I know sometimes, one thing I don't like about these kinds of sermons is it starts to sound like, and now here's all the opportunities that we wanna try to recruit you for. Um, I wanna remind us that the mission of our church is not to develop devoted followers of Jesus by filling volunteer roles. 
Uh, it's not that. What it is is by growing and serving together. And here's why, because we know that, that when we step out, step in, and trust God, and we serve other people, that, that God uses that in a mighty way in their lives, but he also uses that in a mighty way in our lives. And so today as we leave, maybe you saw them as you came in today, um, there are six tables in the lobby today. Each of those tables represents an opportunity that, that we have here in the life of the church to step into personal ministry, to make ministry personal. And the people at those tables, they would love to talk with you about how you can do that. And so maybe that's exactly what God is asking you to do today, is hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step in, I'm gonna talk with those folks, not just to fill a role, but because I believe this is what God is calling me to do, to, to grow and develop my own faith as I invest in the faith of others. Maybe you're here today and you're like, Jonathan, I, I know that's not it right now, but it, I very clearly know what that thing is. And if that's where you are, please step out, step in, and trust in God in that matter. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I hear everything that you're saying, um, but I, I don't know what that means for me. And if that's you, I, just, I would love to talk with you. Our pastors and our staff would love to talk with you. Our leadership would love to talk with you and help you figure that out. Again, not to just fill a role, um, but because I know from my own story, I know from the stories of so many others that when we take that step, and again, it's not just a one-time thing, it's, a, it's an ongoing thing, it's something that happens over and over again as God invites us to do this throughout our journey. But we know that that is an opportunity for us not only to serve and show God's love to others, but to really deepen and enrich in our own faith. And so with that in mind, I wanna pray for us this morning. God, first of all, I just wanna thank you um, for each person here this morning, Lord. Realizing that, uh, God, a lot of the reason that we're here is because other people have done this for us, Lord. And God, thank you for each of those people as well. And Lord, I just ask that, um, that God, as we think about what you said this morning, as we listen to your spirit in our lives, God, that you would help us to step into whatever it is you've called us to do, God. Um, Lord, maybe that is for the very first time stepping into serving here in the life of the church, Lord, but maybe it's just the hundredth time of doing this, God, and it's very clear to us what you've called us to do. God, give us the courage to do that. And Lord, I pray that as a church, we would be known as a people who have a heart for others, God, who serve others, who love others in your name, God. Thank you for the way others have done that that in our lives. Lord, help us to be people who do that um, on your behalf, that people would experience you through us, God. And so, Lord, we thank you um, that we can do that because of Jesus, Lord, because of his love for us displayed on the cross. And so, Lord, we, we pray, thank you and praise you for that. Lord, help us to be people who live our faith out every day in his name. Amen.